Welcome in Slump Busters. It is time for another episode of the Slump Buster Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome in and happy Thanksgiving. On today's episode, Drew and I tell you everything you need to know heading into NFL Week 12. But before we do that, folks, it's time to give a shout out to our partners. Caveman Coffee Co. Caveman is a fantastic single source, single origin goodness from a company with impeccable taste and ethics. The people behind it are beautiful souls, and the coffee is delicious fuel for the never-ending quest to do better, be better, love harder, and enjoy deeper. Guys, I tell you, their Nitro Cold Brew is the perfect blend of energy and refreshment in the morning. Great way to start the day. But why stop there? They have their Mammoth Blends, which I highly encourage you getting. They have their Hibiscus Teas, which are delicious. And guys, if you use our promo code SLUMP, you get 15% off your next purchase of any of these fantastic products cavemancoffeeco.com promo code slump guys don't be a chump use promo code slump and get yourself a case today all right y'all it's time for the episode juju tag sports andrew hagebaugh let's get it let's bust the slump and let's enjoy All righty, Drew. First question on this week of thankfulness. What is the thing you are most thankful for? I'm thankful for a lot of things. Obviously, family and friends are the number one thing I'm thankful for. All the people close to me. Obviously, I have to include you guys in there because you guys took me in and now we're all one big happy family. I'm just roasting each other every single day. This is probably the best thing that's ever happened. I mean, I, I think we got a great group of guys here. And, you know, once when this thing works, it's going to be a hell of a fun time. <laughs> well, you know, I, I thank you for coming on, man. You know, I was cheesy on the Slump Buster podcast I just recorded with Kyle. So I'll be cheesy as fuck here, too, on the Slump Buster Fantasy Football podcast. <laughs> but I'm thankful that I met you, Kyle, Seed Money, obviously, Eris, Dre, everyone that's been a part of, the, like, the Slump Buster team and helping to build it to this point. Obviously, thankful for the listeners, thankful for another day that I go wake up in the morning and do this thankful that I have enough confidence to put my voice out there for criticism from the mean streets that are called the internet oh yeah I know and it seems like the internet's more dangerous than the streets now (laughs) exactly I I might legitimately opt to be out on a bad neighborhood than literally be just walking down a Facebook newsfeed Oh, I know. Like you go into Twitter and it's just like, oh shit, what I walk into. And then you walk into the bad streets of a neighbor and you're like, honestly, I feel safer here. <laughs> Maybe the best option is just to opt out of it from sometimes. Okay. Here's my second question to you. Were you a booer? Because you had the opportunity to be thankful in the stands watching the Detroit Lions play the Cleveland Browns. Be honest, Drew, were you a booer? No, I wasn't actually. There's a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people in that stadium. There's probably about 68,000 people there out of 73K and a lot of booze in that stadium. What was the closest booer next to you? Was there a guy like in the next row to you, next seat? Was it like your dad, your family, whoever came to the game with you? Actually, because we were like very top, like 529 row 31. So we're like second to last row at the very top. So probably like the mid-level is probably when you start hearing the booze, like like row 100 up to the 300 sections. That's when you start hearing the booze. Like 500, we kept quiet because we're all sitting there shaking, shivering because of the cold weather. We didn't even have time to boo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what do you think of your quarterback statement, though? If you're one of the booers, you're probably one of the idiots who cheers when we're on offense, or even better, like you don't know football or every statement that he decided to come up with after that game. 
honestly, I think after all the crazy shit that happened over the past couple of weeks, I think he just had to let something out. And I mean, there's parts where I kind of agree because there's a lot of people like, especially on Brown's Twitter, if you go there, it's a dangerous place, man. Like you go to Brown's Twitter and it's a nightmare. A lot of people on there who say like, oh, Baker's trash and stuff like that. They're also the ones that say like, oh, well, Josh McCown was the best quarterback in Cleveland for the last decade or something. It's like, okay, calm down, buckaroo. Like, <laughs> oh, you definitely don't know football. <laughs> Listen, I kind of understand where you're coming from. I probably relate to you more than other fans of other fan bases because Niners Twitter can be a little bit rough. Obviously, we've dealt with the whole Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lansing for the last calendar year, or at least yeah. since the draft happened. Jimmy Garoppolo hates been around since 2018 after he, he signed that deal that made him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. I think a lot of his hate is mostly because of the contract, which is ironic because I think a lot of the hate Baker Mayfield is experiencing is because of his potential contract. People are a little unsure of what do the Browns do with him. Do they just let it ride, franchise tag him and let it go on? That seems like the most sensible option, but he is not worth a $35 million contract at this point in time. I think you can agree to that, right? Oh, that's 100% what I'm saying. Like I, I said this on my other shows that I've done. I've said this on Twitter, specifically on Twitter. And, you know, I told this to family and friends. I said, I was like, after this year, you do what Kirk Cousins did. You just franchise tag him and give him another year or so and see what he can do when, when he's actually healthy. <laughs> if you had an ink Baker Mayfield to a contract today, what would the numbers be? It'd probably be sub 30. Sub 30? How many years are you giving him? I give him a few, like maybe three. Closer to 25 million or closer to 30? Closer to 30. I would say probably like around like 27, 28. Here's what I'll tell you. And this is a stat that has also been kind of used in Jimmy Garoppolo conversations. There hasn't been a quarterback that has won a Super Bowl taking up more than 12% of his team salary cap since Steve Young in the 90s. Jeez, man. That's something to think about when it comes to these quarterbacks signing these big time deals. We talk about the demise of the Seattle Seahawks. Think about how much of the salary cap Russell Wilson is taking up. Think about how much of the salary cap Aaron Rodgers is taking up in Green Bay. We'll get Tom Brady out there in Tampa. If yeah. more quarterbacks followed Tom Brady's recipe, I think that we might see a lot of more sustained franchises, sustained dynasties. Who am I to tell these guys take less money? But I think as a quarterback, especially a winning quarterback, especially a Super Bowl winning quarterback, you're going to get so much money from endorsement. And then what's the difference between being a $30 million player and being a $35 million player? That's my pushback every time I see one of these contract holdouts. It would kind of cross that with Dak. And at this point, I think we both agree Dak is way better than Baker Mayfield. Yeah, absolutely. And back to what you said, like it reminds me of Tom Brady back in his New England days where he would take a lot less money to keep the team around him so that way he can win Super Bowls. I mean, how much do you get paid for that successful offensive line? You know, you're going to, you got to pay those people all that defense that they had, those great defensive players that they've had over the years like he took pay cut after pay cut because he's like listen I'm gonna keep winning Super Bowls if I take these pay cuts I'm gonna get my money no matter what but take the pay cut win some Super Bowls like and I don't see why a lot of people don't follow that I mean LeBron did it for a couple of years too in Miami he took a couple of pay cuts to keep Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh to win a couple of rings and then he came to Cleveland with a pay cut got a ring I think it comes down to how much do quarterbacks value sustained winning because they all say yeah. that we value winning they all say that we want that dynamic wide receiver or we want that offensive line but when the team can't afford to get that around you like in Seattle then you really just kind of have to look internally at yourself and I think the unfortunate fact about Baker Mayfield is that he's a quarterback that does need the pieces around him to succeed and mm -hmm. if you can't resign Kareem Hunt as a luxury you can't go out there and get a Jarvis Landry or afford to pay Jedrick Wills next contract then everything's lost for you in Cleveland and you're looking like a team that may be a consistent five to six win team and I think 
that's a purgatory that you're not unfamiliar with, but you don't want to return to, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And I agree. I mean, I look at the moves that Andrew Barry has made over the past month or two where he's locked up Joel Batonio, JC Treader on the offensive line. He's locked up Nick Chubb. You know, he's locked up guys like Denzel Ward. He's locked up these guys who he's like, listen, these guys are going to help us win games. These guys are going to help us win. He locked up Miles Garrett this past season. He's locking up the important guys because he knows, like, I need these guys to be successful. And he needs these guys to, you know, be successful around Baker. And Baker needs to be successful around them. So I I think he's doing his best bid to lock up as many of these guys as possible before he gives Baker any kind of contract, saying, listen, I'm going to lock up the for sure guys. But before I give you your contract, you're going to have to show me. And I think that's why he's playing through the torn labrum and the busted knee and the foot and stuff like that because he's trying to prove it but also too you're hurting your own team because if you can barely beat the Detroit Lions then you're too hurt to be playing in a game like there's even a bunch of us on Twitter on Browse Twitter and even at the stadium who are saying maybe we should let Baker take this week off and the bye week off to rest and let Case Keenum go after Baltimore like at this point we're willing to split with Baltimore but we'd rather have a healthy QB especially what we've said all along and what a lot of the radio people say here in Cleveland you know would you rather have a healthy Baker in the playoffs or a Baker who can't walk in the playoffs and I'd rather take the healthy guy 100% agree so I think that that's a good transition talking from a franchise quarterback adding the apostrophes here franchise quarterback to talking about franchise quarterbacks or at least top 12 quarterbacks in fantasy football in week 11 let's start off with a guy that I'm sure the Chargers are already talking about his contract Justin Herbert who was quarterback one in fantasy took every little bit of effort from him to put away the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday Night Football 382 yards three touchdowns touchdowns one interception also had 90 rushing yards on the ground so a very dual threat performance from Justin Herbert to be the number one guy on the week directly behind him Aaron Rodgers was quarterback two. Aaron Rodgers finished with 385 yards and four touchdowns in a losing effort to the Minnesota Vikings Aaron Rodgers in that game just had a throw a ton they only used AJ Dillon on 11 carries the game plan against the Vikings was all about Aaron Rodgers Jalen Hurts finishes quarterback three on the week Jalen Hurts 13 for 24 for 147 yards so not the best game from a passing standpoint but here's why you love Jalen Hurts 18 attempts 69 yards and three rushing touchdowns Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles are definitely in a good place down the stretch here as they continue find more of an identity I like what the Eagles are actually doing now Cam Newton if you picked up Cam Newton and decided I'm going to start him right away against the Washington football team you were rewarded 189 yards and two passing touchdowns for Cam also had a rushing touchdown in 46 yards Cam Newton also had has an easy matchup this week that I think is reasonable to exploit. The Carolina Panthers are facing the Miami Dolphins. So I would say Cam Newton, top 12 starter. I'm comfortable with it this coming week. Kirk Cousins, number five, 341 yards, three touchdowns and a winning effort against the Green Bay Packers. Kirk Cousins has been a quarterback one all year. I don't see any reason for that to change. And Kirk Cousins giving a guy his flowers here, nine to one touchdown to interception ratio through 12 weeks. That is MVP type numbers if he was on a team with a different record. I got to give some flowers to you, my friend. Trevor Simeon, top 12 quarterback on the week. Trevor Simeon, top six quarterback on the week. Trevor Simeon, 214 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Also had a rushing touchdown. So four total touchdowns for Trevor Simeon. I should note though, it is a little bit of a fraudulent (laughs) stat. This is all garbage time production by Trevor Simeon, but that doesn't matter because the only thing that matters to you as a fantasy owner, did the guy land in the end zone? Yes, he did. He landed in the end zone four times. Probably won you your week. 
week. Taylor Heineke, 208 yards, three touchdowns. Right behind him, you have Colt McCoy. So the land of the backup quarterbacks currently. 328 yards, two touchdowns for McCoy in a winning effort in Seattle. The second time Colt McCoy has done that in two years. Ben Roethlisberger was actually your quarterback nine. Ben Roethlisberger had 273 yards, three touchdowns, came up just shy of the Chargers. Tom Brady is the quarterback 10. Tom Brady is currently the Vegas favorite for MVP. 307 yards, two touchdowns, one interception against the New York Giants on Monday Night Football. Quarterback 11, Tyrod Taylor coming off the bye week in an upset victory against the Tennessee Titans. Tyrod only threw for 170 yards, but had two rushing touchdowns on the day. You want to talk about a name from the past? I heard this guy is pretty elite. Joe Flacco. Yes, elite. Joe Flacco is your number 12 quarterback on the week, 291 yards and two touchdowns. Okay, Drew. Uh, We're going to go through this one similar to last week. I'm going to give you their numbers, their total fantasy points, and you're going to tell me over or under in their next matchup here. All right, sounds good. Justin Herbert, this week, the Chargers will go in to Denver. Justin Herbert finished with 34.28 fantasy points. Over or under, Justin Herbert. I'm going to go just under. What about Aaron Rodgers? They are playing the Los Angeles Rams this week. Aaron Rodgers put up 33.5 points against the Minnesota Vikings. Again, I'm going to go under with this one. Fair enough. I completely understand that. Rams, good defense coming off bye week. Going to be a tough game in Green Bay. And for the most part, Aaron Rodgers hasn't been a top 12 quarterback throughout the season. It'd be interesting to see what the game plan changes around in that one. Jalen Hurts, the Eagles are playing the Giants this week. Jalen Hurts put up 30.78 fantasy points against New Orleans. He's got the matchup to do it too. Oh, man. I'm going to go with the over. I'm going to take the bet on it. I'm going to go over. That's that's a little risky there. When you're talking about a quarterback in the 30s, is he going to do better than three touchdowns next week? Three on the ground, too. This is four point per passing touchdown scale. I think so. I I, I think he could go just over. I think he can get like that 31-32 range and just peek over it. Well, if that's the case, then you're telling me that Jalen Hurts might be your quarterback one on the week. If you're telling me that he's over 30 points next week. but. All right, Cam Newton. Cam Newton, like I said, is facing the Dolphins this week. 26.16 fantasy points against the Washington football team. Washington football team, of course, does allow the most points to fantasy quarterbacks. I'm going to go over again. Okay, so you're saying Cam is going to put up close to 30 points? I think so. I mean, he's played well the last couple of games. I don't see why he can't do it again. Dolphins, we'll see. I wonder if they're going to use the same game plan they use against Lamar. If they do, I think that that could cause issues for Cam. So I might disagree with you on that one. What about Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins faces San Francisco in San Francisco this week. He put up 25.24 fantasy points. Again, I'm going to go over here. Kirk Cousins has been so good. Trevor Simeon this week, the Saints face the Bills. Definitely under. Taylor Heineke, the Washington football team this week will be going against the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football. Taylor Heineke put up 23.14 fantasy points. I'm going to go just over. I'm going to say around 25. Colt McCoy is on bye week. Cardinals are out this week. So obviously bet the under there. Ben Roethlisberger, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are facing the Cincinnati Bengals on the road. The last time the Steelers and Bengals played, it was an ugly game for Pittsburgh. Ben put up 22.92 in week 11. What will he put up in Cincinnati? I think he's going under. Fair enough. Tom Brady will be facing the Indianapolis Colts. Tom Brady put up 19.28 fantasy points. Under 20 points for Tom Brady, but he may get a boost this week. AB, I know we've said this for weeks, but AB may be back this week. Has also Rob Gronkowski come back this week. Full complement of weapons going against the Colts defense. What do you think? I'm going with the over on Tom Brady. Yeah, I think at 19.28, it's just almost criminal to bet the under at that point. Tyrod Taylor and the Houston Texans. Tyrod 
A-Rod gets to face the Jets. I know you were very fond of Texans players this week against New York. 19.08 fantasy points against Tennessee this past weekend. I'm actually going to go with the under here. Are you going to bank more on the running game? Because I know David Johnson was one of your favorite waiver wire ads. Yeah, I'm going to bank more or less on the run game and him utilizing a little bit of David Johnson more in a passing game as well. So this one's a little unfair to round out the top 12. Joe Flacco, <laughs> the Jets facing the Texans because there's also the possibility that Zach Wilson starts. Obviously, Zach Wilson starts obviously under against the Texans. You're probably going the under, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's see who finished outside of that and if we could mine any information there. He actually did make a good call on Jimmy Garoppolo. He did finish outside of the top 12, finished his quarterback 16 on the week. Mac Jones against Atlanta. That was probably one of our biggest misses of the weekend. Only put up 10.38 points, uh, one passing touchdown, one interception. Mac Jones quarterback 18. Carson Wentz didn't have a big day, 106 yards and a touchdown against Buffalo. It was really all about a guy we're, we're definitely going to talk about this week. I, I think you know the one. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I think I saw. Yeah, I, I, not to bury the lead here but we'll talk about him <laughs> joe burrow is quarterback 21 on the week only put up 9.2 fantasy points so not the type of performance you want from old joe against the las vegas raiders how about this one uh russell wilson so russell wilson finished with 8.48 fantasy points are you starting russell wilson against washington washington obviously again remember the worst defense against fantasy quarterbacks are you trusting russ is russ cooking this week i guess he Russ cooking this week. How good is Russ cooking? Now let's put a range on it. Where do you have him? I wouldn't say top 10 just yet. I'd say just outside the top 12. So you trust Cam Newton against Washington more than you trust Russ Wilson. What a time to be alive. Derek Carr was also hey. missed this week. I mean, we said he would be top 12. Uh, Derek Carr finishes quarterback 23 with 8.6 fantasy points. They play on Thanksgiving this week against the Cowboys. Probably not an ideal matchup. Ooh, this is an ugly one too. I should talk about Patrick Mahomes is quarterback 27. Wow. 7.5 fantasy points. Dak Prescott, quarterback 29. Dak Prescott and Patrick Mahomes combined for a combined zero passing touchdowns in their game this week, Kansas City versus the Dallas Cowboys. Patrick Mahomes is on by, so I don't have to worry about Patrick Mahomes this week. But man, oh man, I am worried about going into the playoff run with Patrick Mahomes as my quarterback currently. This is not exactly an ideal situation to have Mahomes. And you know, it's not unusual. He's finished outside of the top 10, I want to say like three out of the last four weeks, aside from the game against the Raiders. Yeah. Coming off the bye, they face the Broncos at home. In week 13, is Patrick Mahomes a top 10 quarterback? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to go outside the top top 12. You're going to put Patrick Mahomes outside the top 12? That's fair. At this point, like we have a data point. We've seen what he struggled against. And Vic Fangio, say what you want about the guy. He's one of the better defensive minds in the league. You don't, you're going to tell me that he's not going to develop a good game plan for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in that game? Exactly. Man, this is just not where I want to be. I should not be in a position where I'm legitimately <laughs> telling myself, do I start Taylor Heineke or do I start Patrick Mahomes? Shoot. And the funny part is Taylor Heineke finished in the top 12. <laughs> do I start Tyrod Taylor Tua over Patrick Mahomes? I should not be asking myself this question, Drew. This is not something Nobody I should, should be asking myself at this point in the season. Uh, to add to that, I mean, Dak faces the Raiders this week, but Dak could be missing both C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper. Is Dak yeah. a top 10 quarterback this week? Honestly, I don't think so. I think he's a guy who utilizes those two a lot. And without them, I mean, Ced I, I had this guy in my waiver video as well. Cedric Wilson is his top target at this point. I mean, Raiders have been bad the last couple weeks. Right. 
So it's kind of like, who's going to be worse? Is the Cowboys offense going to be worse when they're down to their third wide receiver, Michael Gallup, Cedric Wilson, or yeah. are the Raiders going to continue to be bad like they were the last couple weeks? Who's right? Who's wrong on this one? Thursday night football. Like I said, if right here today, Dak Prescott top 10 or no? I don't think so. All right, let's go into running backs. The headliner, the one that ended my man's whole career here in the Caster League. Yes, Juju Talk Sports over Drew Hagenbaugh as Jonathan Taylor put up 51.9 fantasy points with four rushing touchdowns, one receiving touchdown, 185 yards against a top three Buffalo Bills run defense. My guy, Jonathan Taylor, fucking A, man. Talk about a day. But you know the crazy part? Not too far behind him was Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler put up 38.5 fantasy points, ran for 50 yards, two rushing touchdowns, six receptions, 65 yards, and two receiving touchdowns. So four total touchdowns for Austin Eckler. Crazy enough, I was listening to Fantasy Focus not too long ago, and Matthew Berry was talking about a guy that messaged him and lost with both Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler in his lineup. I'm sure that dude's in his man cave, and he is not coming out for a long time. Like, if you lose with Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler in your lineup, you might as well just quit Fantasy Focus. I'd be sick. I would literally be sick sick to my stomach to open up my Yahoo app, my ESPN app, or whatever platform they're playing on. And I see that. You realize how much your opponent has to be going off on the other side to beat essentially 90 fantasy points from just two positions. I would retire. I'm with you. I would retire from fantasy football because at that point, it's a stupid game. It's a stupid game made by stupid, stupid people. Stupid, stupid it. That man probably started Joe Flacco too. <laughs> hey, if he started Joe Flacco, he started a top 12 quarterback, man. Stop disrespecting Joe Flacco. <laughs> How many Super Bowl MVPs do you have, Drew? Huh? Answer me that. Were you a top 10 overall <laughs> draft pick out of Delaware? No? Okay, take a seat. <laughs> No Joe Flacco slander on this podcast. (laughs) Apparently not. (laughs) Let's talk about running back three. Joe Mixon, 123 yards, two touchdowns. Thankful for you, Joe Mixon. Thankful for you, Nick Chubb. 22 attempts, 130 yards, two receptions, 14 yards, and a touchdown. Christian McCaffrey finishes running back five again on the week. So actually two straight weeks. Christian McCaffrey is running back five. Hey, you're, you're happy if you finish the top five. You ranked him as number one. I think that that's not a miss. Who would have expected Jonathan Taylor to have the day he had? (laughs) <laughs> exactly and nobody did <laughs> yeah certainly not the bills <laughs> Definitely not. christian mccaffrey 59 yards on the ground seven receptions 60 yards and a touchdown there's just so much volume christian mccaffrey's just when he's healthy he's unstoppable deandre yeah. swift speaking of things that kind of <laughs> kill you a little bit uh deandre swift 14 attempts 136 yards and a touchdown because apparently john johnson and others decide to just give up on chasing him after a certain point right oh yeah Enzo Ward just eh, he, he's too gone he's he's too swift for me when you got three guys who can't make a single tackle together and he just squeezes through everybody <laughs> exactly delvin cook 22 attempts, 86 yards, and a touchdown, three receptions for 29 yards, running back seven. James Conner at eight, 62 yards and a touchdown, also chipped in with five receptions for 37 yards. Miles Gaskin did what he needed to do against the Jets, 89 yards, three receptions, seven yards, and a touchdown. Devontae Freeman, this is a developing story here. Devontae Freeman, 49 yards and a touchdown, six receptions, 31 yards. Clyde Edwards-Solaire, running back 11, 63 yards and a touchdown, two receptions for 13 yards. And then Nod. Jay Harris rounding out the top 12 with 39 yards and a touchdown, five receptions for 20 yards. And 
you know, despite only having 11 carries, A.J. Dillon was running back 13, I just want to note. One of the interesting ones that stands out to me here, how should we treat Devontae Freeman the rest of the year? Because this was by far his best game, but with Latavius Murray, Latavius Murray was active, I thought. But clearly, I mean, Devontae Freeman, 16 attempts here, took on the lion's share of the work. This was also a game in which, um, obviously, Lamar Jackson was out. Are we treating Devontae Freeman as a running back to the rest of the year? Plays the Browns this coming week, obviously. How how high of a ranking does he deserve in that matchup? You could speak for the Browns' run defense. Well, apparently Jonathan Taylor did that to the third best defense run defense. I mean, the Browns also have a top five run defense. So, I mean, but, oh man, I, I feel comfortable with Devontae Freeman. But I mean, again, you just never know. He could have a Jonathan Taylor type day. Like Devontae Freeman can't have a Jonathan Taylor type no. day. Are you being but, just pessimistic I mean, because your Browns upset you this week? Yeah. <laughs> are you about to start booing joe wood we've been all saying that joe was needs to be out since like week five <laughs> give me a boo drew boo. <laughs> see that's all i asked for i asked for the little things here it's the little things like it's everything going <laughs> does cream hunt hurt nick chubb's value the remainder of the season i don't think so honestly Can i, I they they think nick chubb's exist together very dangerous fight. oh yeah absolutely they have been and i mean when one does well the other usually tends to do well as well so i mean there's games where they both had 100 yards they can both split carries and do just as much damage even with this version of the browns though because obviously we we're mentioning baker struggles earlier here can't teams just start loading up in the box at this point because they've shown that they can't get the wide receivers involved at all detroit tried to load up the box and nick chubb still had 130 yards rushing so yeah but uh, detroit I, doesn't have the personnel that other teams oh absolutely not but i still think they're very both very valuable and very good running backs to where it doesn't matter if you stack the box i mean those guys they'll average the best yards rushing after contact what is it nick chubb's like top two in that besides derrick henry who obviously just went out for the season but he was averaging i think nick chubb was averaging almost like an extra three yards or four yards after contact so okay i'm going to give you a Hardball question here. Rest of season, who will finish higher, Jonathan Taylor or Christian McCaffrey? Oh, man. Actually, I should say maybe take away one week of McCaffrey because Jonathan Taylor does have his bye week. Actually, I guess who will average more points per game? That's the most fair way to do it. I'd give it to Christian McCaffrey. To expand on that, I would assume just because the receiving. Oh yeah. Just the receiving aspect alone. I mean, a, a man who got a thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving in one season. I mean, <laughs> it's impossible not to say he's going to have bigger numbers. Yeah. I mean, if he's getting a free six points every week, then that puts him in a place where Jonathan Taylor's floor game even though I know Jonathan Taylor seemingly like he has a floor that's elevated above most, Christian McCaffrey on a bad week can be better than the majority of the league. Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley, and this is a fun stat provided me by our own Kyle Ledbetter. I'm going to throw the same question to you. If you had to guess, how many yards does Saquon Barkley have over the last two seasons? Over the last two seasons, I couldn't say no more than 175. Wow, that's actually impressive in the sense that you didn't overbid because he's sitting around the 200 range actually in his rushing yards. So I guess the price is right. You did not overbid. So you get to go to the showcase showdown. With that Let's said, go. Saquon <laughs> Barkley, this coming week, what is your level of confidence to say he's the running back one this week? 
Honestly, I still kind of think it's pretty low. It's just we haven't seen him as a running back one almost what, all season at this point. Injuries. I, you know, he had a couple weeks stretch there where he was a running back one against the Falcons and they played another weak run defense. So he can take advantage of good matchups. He's at least shown that propensity. It's just uh, you go against the Bucks and then you over here finish as running back 22. I mean, that's not why you were drafted. <laughs> Anyone that drafted yeah. Saquon Barkley this year drafted him as a first round set and forget running back one right and if anything if he is a running back one it'd probably be a low-end running back one yeah so probably we're talking between the 10 and 12 range roughly right that's fair i think that that's fair just because you have to start him because of matchup but you feel kind of gross about it almost as gross as you feel (laughs) on a weekend which you have to start miles gaskin so miles gaskin we talked about it you had to rank him against the jets you were lowballing him because you put him in the 30s which i said was fair finish is running back nine on the week so he did reward that he overachieved according to what we thought even going against the Jets porous run defense what do you think about Miles Gaskin this week again it's probably towards the 20s or so running back 20s are you closer to 20s what you're saying or are you closer to 30 closer to 20s okay so low end 20s so making him a back end running back two basically basically yeah and that one again it just seems like it's purely matchup based more than anything right right it's just matchup based at this point I know a lot of people are ready to fully give up on Antonio Gibson what about you I think so I think it's time Ron Rivera definitely probably upset about his fumbling issues. And I think JD McKissick is going to take on a bigger role there. Um, you mentioned it on the waiver show. Michael Carter will be out for the following two weeks with a high ankle injury, leaving a role for Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman. I'm a little higher on Ty Johnson myself. I think that the receiving upside is more there for him. Let's talk about Seattle's running backs. Chris Carson officially marked out for the remainder of the year. Which Seattle back are you starting? I would probably say Alex Collins. I know some people have said that they liked what they saw with Rashad. Sean Penny a little bit more. Alex Collins, though, I mean, 10 attempts for 36 yards. Your other option, though, being DJ Dallas uh, with four attempts for 25 yards, averaging 6.2 yards per carry and a touchdown. It's not a bad day. Not a great day either. <laughs> well, not a great day, but the touchdown helps. <laughs> well, he finished with the touchdown elevated him all the way to running back 20 on the week. You're still going to trust Alex Collins. I mean, it at least seems like he's getting more attempts, but it doesn't seem like that's he's doing more, more with those attempts. At least that's my thinking. It's just more or less he's just getting the volume of work. It all depends on what he does with that volume of work. Ramondre Stevenson, rest of the season, and where do you rank him? I mean, that Patriots, I know we talked about this last week too, that Patriots backfield, it's just one of those things that's hard to decipher. I mean, you got him, Bolden, you got a couple other guys in there. Damian Harris. I, I like Damian Harris. Like, I like Ramondre Stevenson. I mean, he. I think he's done fairly well. Rest but... of the season, if you could only have one, Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson? Probably Damian Harris. I, I agree with you, but mostly because I think Bill trusts him a little bit more from a fumbling yeah. standpoint. And the fact that we saw what happened in week one, Ramondre Stevenson fumbled once we didn't see him for the next four weeks he comes back he's playing well you hope he continues to play well but I I think just being on the potentially wrong side of Bill Belichick is a scared proposition for any young rookie running back exactly okay let's go into wide receivers let's talk some wide outs your number one wide receiver on the week, Justin Jefferson. 10 targets, 8 receptions, 169 yards, and 2 touchdowns. Right behind him, Devontae Adams at wide receiver 2. 8 targets, 7 receptions, 115 yards, and 2 touchdowns. 
the rookie, Elijah Moore, 11 targets, eight receptions, 141 yards, and a touchdown from the elite Joe Flacco. Elijah Moore continuing to shine with quarterbacks not named Zach Wilson. That will be one of those interesting storylines to follow as Zach Wilson will eventually get reinserted into this lineup. We'll talk about Elijah Moore here. We'll definitely talk about Elijah Moore. Darnell Mooney, wide receiver four, 16 targets. That almost feels like a typo. 16 targets, only five receptions, only came down with 30% of his targets. 121 yards and a touchdown, had a big time touchdown too, by the way, was a game changer almost, except for the fact that the Ravens came back and won that one. Marquez Valdez-Scantling finishes wide receiver five, 10 targets, four receptions, 123 yards and a touchdown. Deontay Johnson at wide receiver six, 13 targets, seven receptions, 101 yards and a touchdown. Scary Terry, Terry McLaurin finished with five receptions, 33 yards and a touchdown. Marquise Goodwin, now that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. So really, you <laughs> You won't throw to Allen Robinson, but you will get Marquis Goodwin involved. Are you kidding me, Chicago? (laughs) Wide receiver eight. Eight targets, four receptions, 104 yards, and a touchdown. Mike Williams, wide receiver nine, five receptions, 97 yards, and a touchdown. Adam Thielen, 10 targets, eight receptions, 82 yards, and a touchdown. At wide receiver 11, Brandon Ayuk, seven targets, seven receptions, 85 yards, and a touchdown. And Mike Evans, rounding out of the top 12, 11 targets, six receptions, 73 yards, and a tutty. So that is your top 12 wide receivers on the week. I mentioned it. Let's start here. Elijah Moore. He's been good, man. He's been damn good. He's finished as wide receiver three. I I wouldn't say like not just this week, but I want to say he did it also the week before. And I want to say the week before that, he was also a top 12 wide receiver, which means he has elite talent, which means what the hell do I do with him when Zach Wilson comes back? Do I treat him as a wide receiver one? Do I treat him as a wide receiver two? Is he in my lineup regardless from this point to the rest of the season? What do I do with Elijah Moore? I, I love Elijah Moore. And I think he's a guy you can leave in your lineup, but it seems like he does so well without Zach Wilson. And I'm wondering if Robert Sala is thinking that too. Like, I mean, this guy does really good without Zach Wilson. Like, do we play Zach Wilson? I mean, I know he's you supposed to be our future. You play Zach Wilson. You have to, I mean. But who knows? Maybe it could be the time where Zach Wilson gets him more involved and gets him a lot of passing yards. I think if there's any advice that Zach Wilson can mine from the list of backup quarterbacks that have started for the Jets in recent weeks, whether it be Joe Flacco, Mike White, or Josh Johnson, is throw to this kid because he's electric. He's the best wide receiver we have on the field. So if Zach Wilson could, at bare minimum, if he does nothing else, if he has a crappy QBR the rest of the year, if he's throwing at Elijah Moore, it seems like good things tend to happen for the Jets when they do that. Elijah Moore, yeah, I'm comfortable saying, I don't think he comes out of your lineup. He certainly doesn't come out of your lineup this week against the Texans. You're definitely starting him against the Texans, but it is concerning. Hopefully Zach Wilson comes back from his injury stronger and more mentally prepared to be an NFL starting quarterback. I found this interesting and I just want to note it. Debo Samuel finishes wide receiver 16. But the funny part about that is the only reason he finished that low is because the Niners used him more as a running back than they used him as a wide receiver. Debo Samuel had eight attempts for 79 yards, averaging 9.9 yards per rushing attempt and scored a 25 yard rushing touchdown. Uh, Debo Samuel, I almost want to start the petition for the Yahoo, ESPN and sleeper leagues to add running back eligibility to Debo Samuel rest of the season. If the Niners are going to line him up in the backfield, come on guys yeah i agree i i I was like dang he's gonna be my running back one for this week (laughs) i mean if you have (laughs) if you have cordell patterson still with running back and wide receiver eligibility why not i mean literally debo's taking snaps out of the backfield at this point i'm gonna give you a 
trivia question here. Are you starting a tight ends wide receiver this week against the Patriots? I mean, the only tight ends wide receiver I can start is A.J. Brown. Well, you're probably not going to be able to start him this week because he's still with a chest I know. and a wrist injury, meaning that their top wide receiver might be Nick Westbrook Akine or Dexter Jackson, I want to say, or... I'd say that's a big fat no for starting any kind of tight wide receiver. <laughs> they are definitely struggling at their wide receiver mm-hmm. position. Definitely was a big problem in terms of why Ryan Daniel had four interceptions on the day. And against the Patriots, this just seems like an ugly matchup at this point. Yep. In your waiver wire column this week, you mentioned Russell Gage. Russell Gage finishes wide receiver 38. Want to care to expand on that one? I think it was more or less matchup purpose, the reason why I put him in there. And I think is what I said in that video, because he does have a solid matchup. I believe Atlanta plays Jacksonville, if I remember correctly. That is correct. So I did it for more or less matchup based because he is basically the wide receiver one. No, well, Cordero Patterson should be back. He should, so he'll, he'll get a couple of targets there. But I, I think he's still very much active because at this point, even if Cordero Patterson does miss, it's basically just him and Kyle Pitts at that point. You know, this might be an interesting thing to look at because I'm noticing a lot of our rookie wide receivers, they're splittered around the top 30. For example, we have, I mentioned him, Elijah Moore at three this week. We had Jalen Waddle at 13. Mm-hmm. Jamar Chase, I'm not seeing him right away pop up, but I believe he came down with a touchdown this week. And we know how good he's been throughout the year. Devontae Smith was also wide receiver 36 on the week. Today, if I had to have you rank our rookie wide receivers in order, I guess Rondell Moore even at wide receiver 29 here. Where do you have these guys? I mean, obviously, Jamar Chase is number one. Number two... I would go with uh, number. See, number two is going to be the tough. These next ones are going to be the tough ones because I really like Jalen Waddle. I really like Devontae Smith. Those guys have been very good this year. Uh, Elijah Moore is starting to pop off now recently. Uh, I would probably put Devontae Smith at two and then Jalen Waddle as like a close three. And then I would put Elijah Moore as the four and then Rondale as the, uh, if we're doing five, Rondale Moore is like a fifth or kind of like more bottom tier. You know, the ironic part about that is you would say Rondale probably has the best quarterback situation out of this group with Kyler Murray exactly because the middle group here is where you run into questions and Tua's played okay actually the last couple weeks if you really break down Tua's performance over the last couple weeks it's been fine from a fantasy perspective it's been fine uh so Jalen Waddle he's been more hit or miss whereas Devontae Smith's actually started to find some level of consistency in the offense right and I guess his big question is going to be is Jalen Hurts the quarterback in 2022 is Jalen Hurts the quarterback in 2023 who is the quarterback in 2022 or 23 and that's the game they have to play with the Jets and Elijah Moore obviously we want to see Zach Wilson and Moore develop that chemistry that we mentioned that they seem to be missing to this point now it's early they've only played a handful of games together but obviously the Jets made a big time investment in Zach Wilson so he's not going anywhere for at least I would say the next three years it's starting to feel ugly this year but I mean give it time I assume Zach Wilson might be the more stable quarterback of the other two just because because obviously the Dolphins have already made it a point to talk about trading away Tua. And obviously the um, Eagles have shown that they're not completely sold on Jalen Hurts. I wonder how that's going to go. But, you know, I would say for Jalen Waddle too, there's always the outside possibility that you see a Deshaun Watson trade. And suddenly that maybe makes Jalen Waddle the most desirable aspect, even be close to up there with Jamar Chase. It's funny how that could change things as well. I talked about this with Kyle. We have a very veteran-driven quarterback market coming 
coming into this next NFL offseason. There's going to be a lot of veterans moving. There's going to be Aaron Rodgers potentially available. Russell Wilson could potentially be available. Derek Carr could potentially be available. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be out there. Deshaun Watson obviously is out there. Matt Ryan could be on the move. You can see a lot of different names, different places this coming NFL season. Yeah, it's going to be a weird one too. Darnell Mooney, what about him? Where do you have him the rest of the season? Because he's looked good. He's probably what I would have wanted Allen Robinson to be. No, I think he's exactly what you want Allen Robinson to be. <laughs> yeah, I at mean, least give me double-digit points on a fairly consistent basis, and that's what Darnell Mooney does. And that's what I mean. Like, I thought it was a typo, too, when you said 16 targets. I'm like, Jesus, 16 targets? What, is he the only guy getting the ball at this point at, on that offense? See, the problem, though, is when I also say 16 targets, I wanted him to not finish his wide receiver six. I want you to finish his wide receiver one in a runaway if you're getting 16 targets. A lot of it could be just missed throws from Andy Dalton as well. Hell, even Justin Fields. I mean, let's not completely let Justin Fields off the hook. He's been inaccurate quarterback this year, too. Oh, absolutely. I've heard rumors that the Bears Bears locker room has officially just quit on Matt Nagy. And the report today is the reason that Bears ownership isn't just firing him midseason is they haven't done it in their 101 year history as a franchise, which I guess to an extent you can respect. But, you know, it's weird for like, obviously the Browns, the Bears aren't technically dead in the NFC wildcard picture. So it's kind of just interesting to hear like players already just saying we're done. We're giving up. We're giving up on the season. We're giving up on this coach. You know, I've mentioned it. Matt Nagy still has made the playoffs every year of his time in the NFL. You know, I know we joke about Matt Nagy, but at his expense, but that's not nothing. There's certain franchises that would kill for that. If you told the Lions fan, would you like Matt Nagy as your coach? You might laugh at at first by the name value, but if I told you, you also take over Matt Nagy's history of making it to the playoffs every year? Sign me He'd the fuck yes. up. Yeah, I'd say yes, too. I'd be like, oh, give me that shit. Like, I'll take that every day. <laughs> I mean, how you ask yourself this, too, you're, as a Browns fan, I mean, if you miss the playoffs this year, you're one for two with Stefanski. Obviously, you missed with Freddie Kitchens, and you missed the previous year and Hughes last year there. Would you rather have the Bears last four years? Oh, 100%. Because, I mean, Cody Parkey made you miss the Super Bowl, and if Cody Parkey doesn't miss that field goal, you're in a Super Bowl. <laughs> kind of similar teams, in a way. I guess Baker Mayfield seems to be Mitch Trubisky with more swag. Is that wrong yeah. for me to say? No, I, I, I can go with that. He's got a better arm. I won't be completely yeah. critical of Baker, but this year has been a real indictment on him as a franchise quarterback. Well, shit, I mean, if this was the Browns and if Matt Nagy was here, he would have been gone week one at halftime. I don't know. You gave Hughes quite some time there. I think I think we we gave him way too much time. We all thought after 0-16, he was gone. And when they said, oh, he's staying, we're like, wait a minute, What? <laughs> Hey, I'm forever grateful to Hugh Jackson. Obviously, he's made a guest appearance on this podcast, so it's kind of a weird spot for me. But, you know, like, I think even Hugh would be honest about his time in Cleveland and saying it was not good. It was oh, the yeah. furthest thing from good. And I, I we kind of talked about it when I had him on the show, too, about what his thought process was about the quarterback decisions y'all made. Like, for example, 2017, Miles Garrett made sense. Yes. Um, what was it 2018 though you guys drafted Deshaun no 2018 you drafted Baker but 2017 you also drafted Deshaun Kaiser if I'm not mistaken yeah 2017 was the, the Deshaun Kaiser year that's when we went 0-16 but even then at that point if you are Hugh I know Miles Garrett is awesome don't get me wrong Miles Garrett is great but that's the Patrick Mahomes draft that's the Deshaun Watson draft yeah quarterbacks are game changing if you told me star quarterback or star pass rusher you take the star quarterback every day if you told me 
like if I were to go back in time and I would go to the Browns office and be like, hey, listen, Deshaun Watson is going to be a good quarterback. Pa- Patrick Mahomes is a Super Bowl winner and it's basically his first year starting as a quarterback. Like I'm going to be like, hey, take this guy here. <laughs> like, just trust me. <laughs> the problem, though, I would say with that, it's not exactly one for one. Maybe with Deshaun it is. Yeah, coming out of college, Patrick had a little bit of a hitchy delivery that Andy Reid and the Chiefs offense figured out to make work. I don't know if the Browns would have necessarily had that same approach yeah. to him. You would also say, could you be critical of the 2016 draft? I know that the Browns traded out of that spot to potentially draft Carson Wentz, right? Yeah. And Carson Wentz, yeah, we've joked about him in the past, his injuries, this, that. You look at what he's doing with the Colts now. You draft the franchise quarterback, you potentially save your time. Maybe you save yourself if you're Hugh Jackson at that point. Well, I mean, shit. I mean, and Carson Wentz's first season, he was putting up MVP numbers. Yeah. And his second season, too, before obviously both ended in big-time knee injuries. He was having MVP-type seasons those first two years. Exactly. The only thing there you ask yourself is could he have repeated it with the Browns because you had a bad roster whereas Philadelphia had a good roster at the time Philadelphia was willing to go spend yeah. money on Alshon Jeffrey and other players like that to make them a Super Bowl contender then that's the comparison I've always made with I mean any kind of quarterback at this point really I mean it's like put them in an offense like Detroit or like Cleveland you know would they have the same success there as they are now and it's like half the time it's no they wouldn't they'd be dead in the water by now probably the best thing that Tom Brady ever had happened to him was that he was picked 199 the best Exactly. thing that Lamar Jackson ever had happen to him that he was picked 32. because he went to a good franchise. Yeah. Well, well, it's all about going to that franchise. Kind of note on this. So tight ends, your top tight end on the week was Zach Ertz. Two touchdowns. Uh, Travis Kelsey behind him. Darren Waller. Adam Troutman, who just went on IR. Kittle had a top five performance against the Jaguars. Let's go into DSTs. Let's start talking about some DST plays for week 12. Who do I love? Who is the week 12 play to go with if you have to pick between the bad teams here whose defense would you trust more the texans against the jets or the jets against the texans i would go with maybe that's a tough one man they're both really 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 bad who's gonna probably be worse go jet. i would probably go with the jets the jets defense over the texans yeah. I don't know. I feel like I would trust Tyrod Taylor more. Maybe that's blasphemous for me to say with the potential Joe Flacco weakness that the Jets offense might have. That's true. <laughs> I, I feel like another potential good one here is like Dolphins, Panthers. Maybe that might have something if you could pick up one of those defenses. I'm not sure. There's not a lot of great streaming DSCs I'm really identifying I, here. I think Eagles against Giants. Bit. Yeah. I think in my video, I mentioned Chicago. Yeah, the Chicago defense might be okay against the Lions. I mean, certainly if you're going against Tim Boyle. (laughs) Yeah. Raiders, I mean, you know, hold your nose and look at it, but Raiders against the Cowboys with CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper potentially out. We talk if Dak's not a top 10 quarterback. I mean, how good is the Cowboys offense? I mean, that game could see a lot of Tony Pollard and uh, Zeke Elliott. True, but what's the Cowboys high end? Are they putting up more than 20 points? Because they couldn't even put up more than seven points against the Chiefs without the Chiefs defense is bad, right? And I mean, we can't just sit there and say that Vegas' defense is completely awful. I mean, they've done their bits here and there. If they can get ahead and make it hard for the Cowboys to run, then the Cowboys 
just automatically have to drop into what we got to throw to get back into this game and then throwing to subpar wide receivers. Maybe that's yeah. a play there. Maybe that's something you kind of consider. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know I'm just throwing out potential ideas. The Bengals crushed the Steelers the last time. Would I trust the Bengals defense against the Steelers again? Potentially, yeah. Yeah. I, I, there's not a lot of great ones. There's not like one standout performer this week, to be right. honest. Your top kicker on the week was Evan McPherson with 20 points. Well, Jesus Christ, Evan McPherson put up 20 points? <laughs> Actually, well, that is impressive. Fuck me. <laughs> The kicker one of the week. <laughs> You're like, oh shit, he, he did pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I was over here thinking I, I was going to pull up something and it'd be a traditional kicker, 10 points, whatever. Nope, 20 <laughs> points for Evan McPherson. Game winner. See, this is probably the guy that lost to Jonathan Taylor and Austin, <laughs> that had Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler in his lineup. His opponent probably had a guy who's like Evan McPherson, who just happened to put up 20 <laughs> points. <laughs> had the Patriots defense to put up 28 or something. <laughs> Should add that. Ha, Jonathan Taylor and Patriots D. Take that, Drew. I saw that defense put up 28. I was like, gosh, shit, it's over. <laughs> Anytime you have a DSE put up close to 30 points, it's not a good week, which thank you, Atlanta, for literally having like three interceptions in like a 85 second time span or whatever it was. I know. Three different quarterbacks throwing interceptions. That's insane. All right. Well, you know, hey, I was thankful for that. I'm sure many owners were thankful for Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler, but we are thankful for you, the listeners, for investing your time in us, taking the time to listen, subscribe, like rate review this that other it all helps it all helps make this journey worth it for us time is the most valuable asset you have in life and the fact that you decided to spend an hour of it with us joking about fantasy football joking about joe flacco means the world to us uh if you want more of our content at slumpbuster podcast on ig at slumpbuster pot on twitter drew got a message for our listeners as we head into the holiday season yeah i mean just thank you guys for spending some time with us listening to us i mean we greatly appreciate you guys always and if you guys ever need anything obviously you guys can come to us for advice we'll give you guys some fantasy football advice uh any kind of sports advice and stuff like that but also too let us know in the comments what you guys are thankful for this holiday season because we would love to hear from you guys in that regard as well whether it's football friends anything just let us know be thankful be like marshawn lynch this weekend be thankful juju talk sports drew hagenbaugh we'll see you next time